The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, I'm thinking of the line we sang that said, I scarce can take it in. And, uh, yeah, I get that completely, God, that you did not spare your son, that you're mindful of us. Uh, may we be overwhelmed with who you are and with the truth of the demonstration of your love on the cross of Calvary, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, guys. Okay. Here's why I'm in trouble. I'll, I'll start with that, and then we'll get into our text here uh, in the book of Matthew. I have learned, uh, slowly but surely, but I have learned that, uh, very slowly but surely, but that men have absolutely no right to talk about the pain of uh, childbearing and childbirth. Okay. And yeah. Uh, and whenever we make an attempt, no matter how understanding we try to be, we're in trouble. Uh, you know, people will say to you, hey, your, your wife's, you know, sometimes you say things about your wife. Does she ever get mad at you in church? No, she never does. Today she will. And I will do everything that I can to be careful about this. I had a pastor friend who, uh, in the middle of a message where Jesus compared uh, what's going on on this earth to uh, the, the laboring of this earth uh, to childbirth, uh, he gave that, and he wanted to illustrate, so he, he decided to talk about the time that he had a kidney stone. <laughs> there was a line of women waiting to see him afterwards, and uh, every one of them says, now tell me how big your kidney stone was, because I gave birth to a nine-pound baby, uh, and uh, they, you know, so I know that I'm going to be in trouble. That's why I said some of you are going to have to pick up the slack, because no matter how I go about this, but again, I, you'll see that this is Jesus' illustration. So we're going to paint that picture a little bit uh, as we look at the end times. We've been talking about uh, through some of the words of Jesus. And in the book of Matthew, there are five uh, major sermons of Jesus called the Discourses of Christ. They are also mentioned at least in some uh, degree or a portion of them in both the books of Mark and Luke. They might not be in there in the entirety. John gives us a very different look at Jesus. John is the book where we find the I am the good shepherd and I am the way and I am the vine, uh, things like that. But through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we, we hear these same sermons of Jesus. Now, we took a bunch of weeks really in the spring and even in the summer looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, then uh, there is what is called the missionary discourse where Jesus addressed and charged his disciples uh, to go. Uh, parable discourse, which is obviously a bunch of parables that Jesus gave in order. The community discourse, uh, largely about, uh, you know, if you want to say Christian living or living in the culture. And then what we're going to look at today is that last one. Now, when you see that word, apocalyptic, hey, I said it well that time. I tried to say it earlier to some people and couldn't get that out of my mouth. Uh, but uh, when you see that right away, you know this is not going to be like a, hey, God, 
happy uh, all, all the way through here as we look at that. It is also called the End Times Discourse. It is also called the Olivet Discourse because he gave it from the Mount of Olives. Okay, but this is right at the end of Jesus' life, and in talking there, uh, he is going to share with the, the uh, disciples this. So we're going to go ahead and read. Uh, I'm in uh, Matthew chapter 24. And uh, Jesus left the temple and was going away with his disciples to come to the point to, I'm sorry, and was going away when his disciples came to the point. <laughs> Aren't you thankful that you don't get paid to speak for a living? Anyway, um, I know I am. Uh, but uh, when the disciples came to point out to him the building of the temple, but he answered them, you see all these things, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be uh, left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Let me just share this for a second. The disciples were in awe of the temple, and well, they should have been. Most people at this time lived in a 12 by 12, one room, uh, you know, their whole family would live like that, so the beauty of the temple would be overwhelming. So as they were on the Mount of Olives, and they looked over at this, uh, what is a really kind of a compound, if, if you will, uh, of of 90-some acres here of the beauty of the temple and everything like that, I mean, they're amazed. They're saying, man, this is just so beautiful, we can't believe it. It took 18,000 men 80 years to build by the 36-acre complex. Sorry, I just said 90. Uh, Solomon, of course, built it. Uh, Herod refurbished it. It was gold-laden throughout. This was a masterpiece of design. It was a beautiful thing. So the disciples are very impressed with this. Now, you may uh, be aware of this. The temple is not there today. Uh, in fact, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, I know we have a few folks who've gotten to visit there, uh, actually is still controlled by uh, Muslims. Um, there, the, there is a Jewish community that is preparing for the rebuilding of the temple. They have all the things that will be needed for sacrifices and everything like that stored up, and they're ready to see it rebuilt. But at this time, and again, I'm going back in history here, but I think it was in 67, uh, they had a war there. And in the negotiations, Israel gave up control of the place where the temple is, Moshe Dayan. Some of you might remember that name, but he still is not revered because of giving up this temple. But anyway, it is not in control of the Jews at this time. So there is no temple there. Jesus predicted this. He says this temple is going to be completely destroyed. That actually happened in 70 AD. And he says there won't be one stone left upon another. Now, I mentioned this temple was laden with gold. When the Romans decided to burn the temple, they, of course, there's mostly stone and everything like that, but they did burn what is the, the veil of the temple. They burned all the rain, uh, dressing uh, that the priests had and everything like that. They also cut down olive trees from the Mount of Olives and brought it in there to create an incredible fire. And the heat was so great from this fire that it melted that gold Things, so that it melted into the cracks of the stones. So the Roman soldiers were going to get everything they could. They were going to take all the, the spoils of war that they could. So when it says that every stone was turned over, that's because the Roman soldiers wanted to make sure they got every ounce of gold out of there. So they did. They ripped it apart. They to make sure that there was not a stone stuck together because they wanted to get everything out of, out of there. So as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Now, I want to mention that this again. I want you to keep this in mind as we go through. The disciples have in mind, this is coming now. 
okay? Jesus, we've been following you, but you are about to come to power and show us, aren't you? You're about to get rid of the Romans, aren't you? You are going to show it. Remember uh, earlier that week the, was Palm Sunday. What did they yell on Palm Sunday? The king, Hosanna. Hosanna, the king has come. Okay, so the disciples are still not understanding about God's kingdom, and they're not understanding what Jesus is going to do. And what they're really looking for is, Jesus, when are you going to do this? Now, I mentioned that, and we'll come back to this later, because we get like that too, don't we? Don't we look, and anytime we look at a message on the future, when? We're ready, Jesus, anytime you want to come, anytime you want to set this right, anytime we, want to, we can be with you forever, we're kind of ready for that. But let's see what he says to them. Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear wars and rumors of wars. Uh, See that you are not alarmed. For all this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, earthquakes in various places. But all these things, here you go, are but the beginning of the birth pains, okay? Now, this is something, uh, this illustration is given in the book of Romans. It talks about all creation groaning as a woman giving birth uh, to the place where until Jesus' uh, glory is is revealed there. Uh, First Peter gives us the same type of phrase there. Uh, It says that the... The, the Lord's coming will come as labor pains. So again, this is a Jesus illustration there. Uh, he says, but this is just the beginning. Now think about all the things he's done. We're going to go back and break this down a little bit. But all these things that he says will come, that's just the beginning. Then they will deliver you up for tribulation to be put, uh, uh, to, be put to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another, and they'll hate one another. Many false prophets will rise and lead many astray. And because the lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. I need to come back to that verse too. But this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. So at a time when there is the greatest mess, mess, the greatest message will still be proclaimed. That message of the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, will be proclaimed. There's going to be Jewish witnesses, and there is nothing even today more passionate than a, than a Jewish witness uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, there will be two prophets that reveal, but the message of the gospel will keep going forward. And when you see, okay, now wait a minute. So we had this first set, and he says, still, this is not yet. This is just the beginning of the birth. Then these things are going to happen. We have phase two. Now we're going to move to phase three here. When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Uh, Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Now, let me just stop for a second. The abomination of desolation is something that Jesus said is going to come. There was an abomination of desolation that took place back uh, during, uh, before Jesus came when the Greeks were in control. They did come in and sacrifice on that altar, sacrifice the pig and things like that. But obviously Jesus is saying there is going to be a greater abomination of desolation. There's going to be, so the temple will be rebuilt. Okay, and then there's going to be this uh, abomination of desolation take place on the altar. Let the one who is on the housetop not, okay, he's telling them how things are going to (laughs) be. Let them not, let them take, uh, 
not go down and take what is in his home. Let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for all those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. And if those days were not cut short, no human being would, would even be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So if I say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go. If they say to you, look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man, whoever, uh, wherever the corpse is, there will the vultures gather. Okay, now, I want to take a little pause. We're going to read a little bit more in a couple minutes, but I want to go back through these different, if you will, steps. Now, I'm going to call this first division of things, make the call. And what I mean by that is, the wife says, make the call. Call the doctor. We're going to the, by the way, guys, the wrong thing to say at that time is, are you sure? Okay, just so you know, in case anybody would be foolish enough to say that. Uh, but uh, we're, we're going to call this first stage. And as we saw in verses 4 through 8, well, here's what's going to happen. We're going to have false Christ. Now, again, my illustration of the pregnancy or the birth pains, everything like that. What is going to happen during birth? I mean, how do you know it's time to go to the doctors? Well, what happens? The pain becomes greater and more frequent, right? Okay, that is a picture to remember. The intensity and the frequency of these things is going to be increasing. That we're going to see. So in this first stage, there's going to be a lot of false Christs. If you Google and try to find those who have claimed to be Jesus Christ, um, in the 18th century, uh, they came up with two. Uh, in the 19th century, there were seven. In the 20th century, 36. Okay, you can think of some of the names, Manson, Koresh, uh, J uh, Jones, uh, Sun Young Moon, uh, different folks who claim to be the Christ, claim to be the Savior. But what it's saying is this is going to increase. That is increasing. Wars and rumors of wars. Uh, Googling this, they say that there are 851 conflicts going on now in the world. You know, only uh, one or two are going to make the news, but going on now. Famine, that is not something we think about with our full pantries and refrigerators much in the United States, but 149 million are classified now as starving, and 18 times, I'm sorry, eight times that number are considered food deprived. So there is such a thing as famine even in our world today. Pestilence, which is the diseases, do I have to say anything? Uh, you know, when you just see, you know, more and more, uh, you know, even just the, uh, you know, the, out, the uh, pandemic and everything like that, but so much that goes far beyond that as far as the pestilence that seems to uh, be increasing. Earthquakes and natural disasters, for sure. Uh, we see that. And I do think, you know, you can debate, well, are they really on a rise or, or whatever like that? I don't know exactly. I, mean, I don't know. You know, we get a lot more reports of everything like that. But I do know this. They will be on the rise. And it certainly appears to me that they are on the rise. So let's move into that second set of things that are going to go on here. Okay, got to make the call. The second set is get over here. Now, I'm not saying anybody would ever actually do this, but let's say that a husband... Um, thought that it was going to be a while till his baby came. So this husband 
in the birthing suite, wasn't used to having ESPN, and he thought, you know what, I'm going to sit here and catch up on ESPN. This was some time ago when ESPN was rather new, and this particular husband, who will remain nameless, uh, decided that he would sit over in the one side of the birthing suite and watch ESPN while they were taking care of his wife, uh, having no idea how quickly things were happening. And, and he remembers that uh, all of a sudden he heard these words, if you want to see your son be born, get over here. <laughs> I'm sorry. That tone might have been an exaggeration, uh, but uh, but I but basically what I'm saying is you do understand I'm sleeping on the couch tonight. Okay, uh, but uh, the but. As things go on here, okay, what did Jesus say? He said, what's going to happen? There's going to be a greater persecution of Christians. More Christians were killed during the last century than in all the other centuries combined. Now, yes, I realize there are more people in the world. I get that. But I'm just saying, you know, if you say, well, there isn't persecution, there isn't here now that we face, put to death, but there is persecution around the world of Christians for sure. Apostasy, oh, folks, falling away from what you believe. We mentioned the numbers last week of what they say about millennial, the millennial uh, generation is, is, heart, is a heartache. There's a word that is, I, I had never heard it until maybe the last five or six years that maybe you have heard, but I have heard it way too often since then. The word is deconstruction. I don't know if you've heard that or not. People say, well, I'm kind of deconstructing my faith. I first heard about it with a prominent preacher who, who said that. Uh, moving away from the truth of God, becoming more apostate, and how many churches are following that same route? We don't need the word of God. We're just kind of making this up as we go. You know, we're going to find out what works, and we're going to go through that, not clinging to the truth, not holding on to the word of God. Apostasy, definitely on the rise. Increased deception. Uh, I don't, again, do I need to say anything? How often do we even know what to believe anymore? Everything, you know, they can, they can take a 10-minute news clip and just, you know, green screen and everything else and put things in, and you're seeing images of 20 years ago, and they're trying to say it's today and everything like that, and every side has their little stories. It is really difficult to know exactly what to believe today, uh, who's telling the truth. Increased wickedness. More and more wickedness is made not only legal, but it is celebrated this is this is what's going on. Decreased love. I and this this is one I, I don't think I think we all see this so much in America. You can't peacefully disagree with people anymore. <laughs> and that might be a slight exaggeration. There are some people you can, but for the most part, if I have a different view from you, you hate me. And that carries over sometimes into the church. But we see just this right, decrease in love at the same time the spread of the gospel. And because especially with the internet and everything like that, the gospel is going into places where it has never gone before, okay? So this is phase two. Now let's look real quickly at stage three and then kind of compare them for a second. Uh, stage three, three, I call never play the piano again. I mean, this fellow that was telling me this story that was called over uh, to his wife, by the time he got over there, he was, uh, she was a little angry with him. <laughs> and she gently encouraged him to hold her hand uh, and, uh, 
<laughs> Never has a vice grip <laughs> been so intense, uh, and I haven't played the piano since. But the and I, I don't th- I don't think I will. But it goes through, and this is the time that the Bible talks about the great tribulation, the Antichrist, uh, more false prophets, that things are going to go crazy. Re- reading through that since you know a time that the world has never seen before. Now let's go back and talk a little bit. Well, wait a minute. One, one more stage, and immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be dark, and then the moon will give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven a sign of the Son of Man, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see, oh, wait, wait, they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. This is not a picture, if you will, of the coming of Christ as gentle Jesus, meek and mild, but maybe you could say uh, Jesus powerful and riled. And I guarantee you this, this will not be an event that you can miss. (laughs) You're going to know when he has come back here and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet and call those and you know, in the, how great thou art. Of course, we sing about that when Christ shall come. And, uh, and we look to that. We long for that. I call that uh, light them up. Now, I, I tried to look. You know, they used to, when the baby was born and things were good, you had the cigars. You know, I, I, I never, uh, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, things have changed. So I tried to look. I said, what has replaced the cigar? You know, you go out, hey, have a cigar. I had a baby boy. Uh, like that. I couldn't find anything. I don't know what. They, they were still, when I Googled it, they were just telling me different places I could buy cigars. Uh, so <laughs> we have several shipments coming this week. But, uh, but, but anyway, uh, but that is the idea of, hey, this is real. Now, again, I know in saying this, you know, yeah, so you're saying the pain's over then? I don't think so. Don't get mad at me. Uh, but I just kind of want to illustrate the idea that this is what we look forward to, okay? We are in a time when the intensity, uh, where exactly are we? I mean, I think as you look at those first set that we looked at, phase one, we definitely see those things. I would say we definitely see the things of phase two going on. And I I I would say that's where we are. Now, again, I'm not predicting Jesus coming back by the end of the day or anything like that. I'm not saying that. But I am saying as you look at that, we definitely see an increase in the frequency and intensity of these hard times going on. Now, I should say this. With all of these things, I am not saying, well, then let's just give up. Things are going to get worse. I am saying things are going to get worse. Okay? Uh, What an encouraging message. (laughs) Went to church and the pastor said, hang in there. Things will get worse. Uh, But I am saying that what the Bible says is going to happen. I don't know the speed. I don't know the pace. I don't know if there will be a law and things seem to get better for a while and things get worse. I don't know exactly, but I do know, guarantee, that things will get worse. And I say that, and I repeat this a lot because I think it's very important. I hope you're not expecting anything different. Now, in other words, You know, do we think, hey, everything is going to be wonderful and rosy? No, we are living in a sin-cursed world, and and it is experiencing the pains of labor, if you will, the intensity of that. It is going to continue. So I have to look at it and say, I am going to expect hard times on this earth, but I also expect glory and that Jesus is coming back. I know this well. So we have to read the whole story, and Jesus says, I'm coming back, and then that's over. Okay, but right now it isn't. Now, that may not be the cheeriest message in the world, but I think people need to have that and they need to remember that going forward. I cannot expect. Now, but that doesn't mean, I, okay, I don't. 
doesn't matter. Things are going to get worse anyway. It doesn't matter. I'm not saying that on any of those things. Pestilence is going to increase, but that doesn't mean I wouldn't say give money to research to, to fight against disease. Um, even, okay, probably going to offend somebody with, uh, the, with that word right there, but even, you know, uh, global concerns and, and everything like that. We are to be good stewards of the environment that God has given us. Okay. Do I think we're going to stop uh, these things from happening, earthquakes and, and everything like that? No, the Bible says they're going to continue. They're going to get worse. Okay. But that doesn't mean, oh, I don't care. <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean, you know, I, I just, I, you know, does it, does it make a difference? Apostasy is going to spread. So what am I going to do about it? Yeah, can't do anything about it. The Bible says people are going to get worse. I mean, I'm still going to be heartbroken anytime anybody uh, walks away from their faith. I'm going to do everything that I can to help us get our anchors into the Word of God and hit into His truth. I want, I want to do that. And I want us to be ready for that idea that, hey, hard times are going to come. Um, Peter said this, therefore, okay, he just talked about the difficulty that was coming to the believers he's writing to. He said, therefore, preparing your minds for action, be sober mindset, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, hey, yes, things are going to be hard. That's the first part of 1 Peter. And then he says, therefore, so because of that, prepare your minds for action. Okay, get ready, get girded, girded your minds up in the, in the truth of God. Next week, uh, we're going to look at the continuation of this sermon, and in there, Jesus gives three parables that help us learn how to prepare, how to get ready. But I wanted to start off by simply saying today that what we're called to do, I think we are called to anchor down, if you will, into the truth of God's Word. We are to use our time that we have here wisely, realizing that quite possibly our days are, are numbered, our days are few. And it, well, pastor, you know, again, what are you, are you trying to be a prophet or anything like that? Actually, hopefully you see all I'm doing is reading what Jesus said. Jesus said the intensity and the severity of these things is going to be on the increase. And when you see that, we're getting closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ, the establishment of his kingdom to, to eternity like that. So I want to live in a way that, yes, I anticipate that this world that is sin-cursed is not going to be easy. And again, encouraging words from your pastor, probably going to get worse in our lifetimes. Uh, we're going to see that go. But I have an anchor in him, and I have a hope that goes beyond that. Hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I have a hope that goes beyond this life. And I must cling to that because if my hope is in what is going on in this world, I am going to be sorely disappointed. And another thing that I, as I, again, next week we'll get in a little bit more specifics as far as how to get ready for that's what Jesus does there. But one of the things, I have a friend that's uh, used to gather regularly for prayer. And, you know, when you get in a time a prayer meeting, you know, you're sharing heartaches a lot of times. Somebody would say this is going on, stuff like that. His response was always the same. He'd say, you know what, I just hate sin and the things that it brings into this world. He'd always say that right afterwards. You know, well, we're facing this, we're facing this. And he'd say, I'm so sorry. He said, I hate sin and the things that it brings into this world. All these things that we're talking about, the judgment, are the things that sin has brought into this world. So hopefully as we think about it, what we're doing is 
We're developing a greater hatred for sin and everything that he does. In fact, what we're going to do here in the next few minutes should help us do that exact same thing. I hope as we think about it, we take time around here about once a month to observe whether you call communion or the Lord's Supper or whatever word you, you would use to that, the, the Eucharist, but whatever word you would use for that, what we are doing, what Jesus told us to do is remember said, remember me. As often you do this, do this in remembrance of me. What we're remembering is that God's own son laid down his life. But why did that happen? Why did that happen? Because of sin. Okay. If you want to kind of build up, if you will, that hatred for sin, it is sin that is the reason why Jesus went to the cross. Jesus could have easily stopped uh, the Roman soldiers. That was no problem. <laughs> could have called 10,000 angels, right? Uh, could have done that in, in a moment. Actually, in just speaking a word, he could have stopped it. But he had come to lay down his life because there is a penalty for sin. There's a consequence for sin that had to be paid. So Jesus paid that penalty. So when we take, in a few minutes, this uh, cracker and we say, um, this is my body which is broken for you, we remember that, the, that God sent his son to in, live a life, a human flesh, live his life in the flesh. Okay, so that that flesh could be broken. Okay, so that that flesh could be broken and torn apart uh, in the price for our sin. And when we take this cup and we say, hey, remember the blood that was shed for you, we remember that the life of the flesh is in the blood. So as we remember his blood, what we're remembering is that he gave his life. So as we look at all of this and we look and we say, oh, man, Pastor, that's not the most encouraging message. You know what? It, it isn't. But yet it is. It is as I cling to that hope that is beyond this life. And it is as when I realize that the incredible holiness of God, the incredible price of sin, and the incredible love of God that was willing to satisfy the wrath of God by having that wrath poured up on, out on him. I hope that's making sense. Okay, because that really is overwhelming just as we think about it. Um, you know, I was jumping ahead as we were singing early, and I, uh, and I thought about that idea. I scarce can comprehend. Some of you remember the hymn that says, uh, And can it be that I should gain an interest in? Uh, but it's an amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, would love me, that love my God would die for me? How amazing that is. And that's what we are going to do here this morning. Now, this is not uh, something that is just for church members. This is for anybody that would say, my faith is in the, the blood of Jesus Christ. I've trusted him for forgiveness of sin. And I want to take some time to praise him. I want to take some time to remember the price for my sin. Okay, this is a beautiful thing, but it is also a, a sobering thing. When I, I look at that, this is the price for my sin. Okay, this is what sin brings. Now, I'm sorry, I have to go back to one more thing. I want to, at the beginning, I said the disciples were when. And hey, I get that completely. <laughs> I think we all do. God, we know victory's coming. We know there's a hope beyond this life. When? Could it come anytime? And uh, the disciples were like this a couple thousand years ago. We're still like this today saying, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Uh, we, we'd, like, we'd like that to be real soon. But ho hopefully this is a grounding message. And as we look and say, hey, bottom line is I can't tell you 
I, I wish I could. I, w I wish every problem that you had, you know, we could come and say, hey, this is going to end in a week. Uh, you know, this is going to be over. Sometimes it seems like the problems come, and then the next day when you think it, they're over, more come, and, and, and things like that. We're, our world is cursed by sin. We live with that. Let's hate that sin. Let's hate that sin, and let's remember what that sin did to Jesus Christ. But let's remember, even better, what Jesus Christ did to that sin. Okay? He defeated it. He paid the price for it. And we can know forgiveness because of what he did. I'm going to pray. Um, they're going to start some music in a second. I saw the guys in back have already. There's a table back there right in front of the sound booth, and then the table here. Uh, you'll see some folks who are used to how we do this here. They'll get up, and they'll pick up a cracker, and they'll pick up a thing of juice and go back to their seats, and we'll, then we'll take the Lord's uh, Supper together in a few minutes. But, Father, um, yeah, I'm thinking... I'm trying with my words to describe this overwhelming love, <laughs> a love that satisfied the wrath of a holy God. And, and we, we, we get a taste of that, Lord, even when we look at this passage. Lord, there's a price for sin, but Jesus has paid that price so that for eternity we can be with you. Um, Lord, may we... I don't know what else to pray, Lord. May we take this, this time incredibly seriously. May we take some time and remember the price paid for our sin. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.